A reading from Luke 4, 25-30. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elijah the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman, the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built, in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Eric, I remember the day you and I stood on the edge of this cliff in 2015. I have a feeling you're going to bring that up here in a moment. Um, no. But I want to just point out, <laughs> <laughs> I want to point out something else real quick. Um, we talked a couple of days ago about this because we've been in this story now for a couple of days. Why were the people so upset? And we, we thought it's maybe because he was blaspheming. He couldn't possibly be a Messiah. So if he said he's Messiah, he's blaspheming. But I think also they were offended by these stories. He's mentioning these Old Testament stories of the widow and of Naaman. And in both cases, these are not Jews. These are not insiders. These are people that God blessed and healed. Um, but they were outsiders. They were the nations, right? And man, the more I read the Gospels these days, and I've been reading the Gospels my entire life, the more I'm realizing how much the people really wanted the Messiah to come, basically congratulate them on their righteousness and their obedience to the law and punish their enemies, overthrow the Romans, judge the Samaritans, condemn the enemies of God. That's just a very real expectation. Come on, Jesus, come do your job. Uh, congratulate me and punish them. And I don't know if I'm noticing it more in the Gospels now because I'm seeing something similar, I think, in basically American evangelicalism. You know, we want we want to be told our tribe has it all right and all the other tribes need to be eliminated. I mean, it's really bad. It's, to me, it's quite stark and it's not. I think we'd be surprised if Jesus came into our church or our town. We'd be surprised by who he hung out with who he blessed, you know, who he chose to have dinner with, I think we might be a little scandalized, just like they were here. What are you talking about Naaman and this widow for? Talk about us. You know, if you're really the Messiah, give blessings to the people who deserve it. That's us. I like that. That was, you used a word, Nathan, that as I heard the text came right to mind, and that is that that invitation of the gospel is scandalous mm -hmm. and it's surprising. Mm -hmm. And when I read a text like this, it, it sort of reminds me how God really holds the mirror up to ourselves, especially mm -hmm. when we cast judgment in our heart. Uh, I love that parable where the Pharisee says, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that tax collector <laughs> exactly. over there. And the tax collector repentantly is saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so often I, you know, especially being clergy, I find myself in that position of feeling pharisaical, yeah. you know, and looking down on somebody who is lost or caught up in the life of sin. And then all of a sudden God points that mirror back at yeah. me and says, you know what? Guess who in the story I had real compassion on? Guess who knew their need? Yeah. Um, and so I just personally need reminding over and over again of God's vision and God's heart that is so much bigger than mine. My, uh, my own 
reaction to this is to go back to my mentality when I was uh, initially reading the Bible. And uh, I have an advanced degree in English lit. Um, I've read my Shakespeare. Uh, I've read all kinds of classic novels and classic poetry. Uh, so when I uh, engaged in the Bible, one of the things that caught my attention was the language of Scripture, which uh, really put it apart from the kinds of things I had been reading. It had a depth to it that I found surprising. But the other side of it uh, was my... By, by my reading in English Lit, one of the benefits of that is you come to know human nature in the round. Uh, sometimes uh, you're dealing with fairly superficially drawn characters, but the human heart in the greatest of literature, whether it's Shakespeare or Tolstoy or Dostoevsky or on and on and on, uh, you get to see... Uh, the human heart at work, which apparently never changes from a, a secular mm. point of view. It goes from generation to generation. Uh, but, and, and the reason I bring that up is it, 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 with that uh, comes identity through tribes. Now, in our more modern and Western world, tribes are places like the college we went to, the community we grew up in. We're all tribal in the sense we still identify with this. If we go to a party, we say, well, I went to this college or I went to that college. And it's an identifier. But that's not what Jesus is all about at all. Uh, and it really, it's upsetting for people with tribal mentalities to put that construct aside and to open up to the Son of God who has come into the world, not to change the world, but to change, to offer you the ability to change and see life in its true wholeness, which includes God, which includes the Holy Spirit, and includes all kinds of things that so many reject out of hand. 